I confess, my boyfriend goes down on me when Ryan Gosling comes on TV. <laughs> and I've never even had to ask. <laughs> when? That's a win. <laughs> hey, girl. <laughs> This podcast is intended for those 18 and over. If that's not you, please check out scarletine.com and come back to this podcast when you are of age. Thank you for listening to the Bedpost Confessions podcast. Bedpost Confessions is an Austin-based live storytelling series featuring smart, sexy stories. Between performers, we ask audience members to anonymously submit anything worthy of a confession, which is then read aloud by one of our producers. The performance you're about to hear was recorded on December 19th, 2013. First-timer to the bedpost stage, Kate Caldwell, will share her story, Hip, Cool, Virgin. Here is Kate. I first had sex when I was 20. The summer before, I know, uh, the summer before my senior year of college, well after most of my friends. I've been referred to as a late bloomer, which I hate. I am not a plant. And it also gives this connotation that I was some shy wallflower just waiting for a man to notice and bestow his penis upon me. This was not the case. Um, I was still sexually active. Again, I gave a ton of blowjobs. Um, and I'd had opportunities for sex, you know. Um, I just hadn't taken anyone up on it yet. It wasn't a religious thing. I was never like a waiting for marriage girl. In fact, by the time I was 17, I was pretty sure love didn't really exist and relationships were merely a social construct to justify physicality. I didn't know what these human emotions were that everyone kept going on about, but they looked awful and I wanted no part of them. Sex linked directly to people acting like idiots, so I wanted no part in that either. Surely I was above all this. Um, as a child of the 80s and 90s, I also grew up in a barrage of messages on the dangers of sex. People were so afraid of HIV, we got sex ed in Texas. <laughs> now, it was not the best of information. The message was essentially, if you have sex, even just once, you will get pregnant with AIDS and herpagonosyphilis. Oh, and here is what a condom looks like. You can put it on a banana. This definitely contributed to the not rushing to have sex. But I think what kept me holding on to my V-card the longest was the identity I developed around it. I didn't think sex was wrong, and I didn't shy away from talking about it. I cursed and drank and fooled around with boys. I didn't have the slightest desire to date. I defied people's expectations on what a virgin looked like, and that was fun. I, uh, hip cool virgin, became a part of how I defined myself. Now, as time went on, it became 
more and more difficult to not have sex. Uh, whereas early on, it was pretty easy to stop, say, thank you, sir, that was fun. I'll be going. Um, I now wanted to go further, you know, like, uh, what? Just the tip? Okay, yeah, sure, okay, wait, wait, hold on. Um, I wasn't stopping them as much as I was stopping myself. And at the core of what was holding me back was the question of who I would be if I had sex. I'd so closely aligned myself with this character of hip, cool virgin. Who would I be if I wasn't her? Would I be letting down the other hip, cool virgins of the world? My abstaining now had far more to do um, with an identity crisis than anything else. I didn't want to miss out on life because I was too busy clinging to an idea of myself that I didn't even really want anymore. So I decided it was time to just get it fucking over with, literally. <laughs> but with who? Um, I didn't have or want a boyfriend and was in no way ready to go like the full anonymous. Um, so who did I know that I also wanted to have sex with, but then again, like didn't ever have to see again, like in case it was terrible. Um, it, it was a dilemma. Throughout college, I worked at a local restaurant um, a good deal of time before I came to this I should be banging people epiphany. I had one of those like nebulous coworkers with benefits things, well, like most of the benefits. Um, he was a skirt chaser. You know how dogs are with squirrel, only vagina. Um, and I knew it. Uh, we were friends. We worked together. I saw him all the time. Um, he had that like, thinks he's slick but isn't charm. He was kind of dumb, but he was kind of pretty. He pursued me and eventually wore me down. It did not end well. One of the hazards of not having sex was that uh, people who were used to having it eventually, you know, wanted to have it again, very understandably. He did the fade away, just stopped calling. Um, and I have nothing against the fadeaway. I've done it a few more times than I care to admit. But the thing about it is, it only works when you actually fade away. <laughs> if you still see the person every day, it is just a way of saying, by the way, sorry, you're not even worth an awkward conversation. And, you know, we've been friends before this, like, for a couple of years. And I thought I deserved an awkward conversation. It hurt my pride, but above all else, it hurt my feelings. Feelings that I didn't even like having in the first place. Uh, and then, true to form, he immediately started banging this other chick that we worked with, which was awesome. Eventually, he got fired, because... He got fired. Um, and <laughs> I didn't give him a whole lot of thought after that. Six or seven months later, uh, there was this going away party for the general manager where employees, current and past, all came to wish him off the drunkest way possible. This guy was there, and he was really easy to avoid. And, you know, he 
left with some of his friends after not too long. I stayed and kept drinking and drinking and laughing and talking, but mostly drinking. Maybe an hour later, he pops back up alone and asks to speak with me, to which I respond, I don't think you want to hear what, you ha- what I have to say to you. Only drunker. Um, and he was like, come on, Katie, I just want to apologize. Can you like, give me a minute? Um, when I am upset with somebody, I envision confrontations and um, the awesome succinct things that I am going to say to that person to show how right I am and how wrong they are. Like 95% of the time, this never happens, but that 5% makes it totally worth it. And that's what might have happened here, except I was wasted. Uh, So instead of like the, you know, concise, biting statements I might have prepared in case I ever got the chance... I found myself shouting out phrases like, you're a coward, and uh, that was just fucking disrespectful. (laughs) And I did this to the point where he asked if we could maybe go someplace else, because I am yelling at him in front of the entire party, and it is embarrassing. Um, In all fairness, he embarrassed me, so I kind of felt like he deserved it a little bit. also, let's, no, let's make no mistake. Um, he was testing the waters to see if we might fool around again someday. Um, I have no doubt that he had recently broken up with some girl, see me at the party, and thought, huh, well, maybe if I apologize, we could hook up again. Um, which might not have been too far from the truth, because I yelled, you can follow me home. We made it back to my place, which was kind of a miracle. I I really actually should not have driven that night um, and was very lucky that I made it back. Um, So we're back at my place, and I'm still like, ah, I'm angry. And he, you know, all of the things. Um, And he was just (laughs) taking it, you know, like, yeah, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That was really shitty. I'm sorry. Um, Like, clearly laying groundwork, because he was not the kind of guy who would have hung around for, like, all of this Um, if he didn't think it was going to work out for him in the end. (laughs) By this point, all of the yelling had gotten me pretty worked up. I felt like I'd reclaimed some of my power, and it felt good. Like, really good. (laughs) I began to notice that conditions were actually pretty ideal. My roommate was out for the night. I'd already been naked with the dude. We had chemistry, but I was not worried about getting attached to him. This was perfect. (laughs) I did not segue very well. Um, I went from, you're a jerk, to, so we should have sex, kind of all in the same sentence. (laughs) He stared at me blankly, like mouth agape, um, just very confused. Not for too long, because, you know, vagina. And when it finally registered what I'd said, uh, he grabbed me and kissed me, and we fell onto the living room floor in an apparent contest to see who could get the other one's clothes off faster. And that hip cool virgin, well, she disappeared without a second thought or care. I wish I could give you more details on the actual happenings, but it is all pretty hazy. I remember that it was fun, uh, that it kind of hurt, but I did not care, and that I wanted to do it again. A lot. 
I finally understood why people made poor decisions and went, went insane over sex. Because it's fantastic. <laughs> this was not a particularly romantic encounter. There were no candles or rose petals or Sade. This was not the physical expression of our love made manifest. We didn't love each other. And I know for many people, this might not seem like necessarily a positive first-time situation. But so often in our society, burgeoning sexuality is seen as something for another person. Even our language around it, right? You uh, give your virginity to somebody, somebody takes your virginity. It's something for someone else, not for you. And because it's for someone else, there can often be a lot of pressure for it to happen on someone else's timeline. Um, while pleasing your partner is incredibly important, integral to the process, Sex should always be, in part, something that you have for yourself. Your body and its experiences are you know, to be shared, not given away or taken. So, while my hot mess of an experience was not one for the romantic comedies, it left me feeling completely empowered. It was 100% my decision on my terms, and what I wanted. And you know, that's not a bad place to start, however late I might have started. Thank you. Kate is a local performer and writer with experience in theater, improv, and sketch comedy, as well as a BA in theater and dance from the University of Texas at Austin. Kate strongly believes in the art of storytelling and is one of the producers of Testify, a live storytelling show in Austin that occurs the last Friday of the month. It should be noted, Kate hates bios, but loves fried chicken and beer. More at testifyatx.com. Bedpost Confessions is produced by myself, Mia Martina, of the I Want Your Sex podcast at MiaOnTop.com, Sadie Smythe of That's What Sadie Said, and Julie Gillis of JulieGillis.com. Podcast audio production by Ian Danskin at InnuendoStudios.com. You can find links to all of our websites and more information about Bedpost Confessions at BedpostConfessions.com. You can also confess with us at Bedpost Confessions on Facebook and Bedpost Confess on Twitter, where we tweet audience confessions. Chime in and add yours. Until next time, we'll leave you with a few other confessions from the audience. I confess, I, I don't know what the proper term is for the state of having a toy in one's ass, wearing it, using it. Either way, I have a toy in my ass right now. <laughs> living toy transport system and the toy has a goal and you are merely taking that toy where it needs to be uh, <laughs> I confess after a few drinks I let my lover shoot vodka up my ass with a turkey baster in retrospect this was dangerous And I was quickly so drunk that I couldn't stand. <laughs> she got angry thinking I was ignoring her and it led to a big fight. 
I think we've all learned a lesson tonight. Yeah. Your don't, fail is everyone's game. Don't do game. that. Don't, do don't that. fucking do that shit. <laughs> I'm a vodka transport system. 